Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Just had to make sure it's episode 24. So we're, uh, we're just going to dedicate this episode to Magic Origin spoilers. Uh, we have a lot of them, um, so they're starting to pile up. We got a list of spoilers we want to talk about. Uh, as always with me, Richard. What's up, Richard? Hello, everyone. And Seth, or as you know him, Saffron Olive. What's going on, guys? What's up? And Chaz here with you. So the three of us are just going to tackle Magic Origins. So um, uh, before we jump into it, uh, Seth, you're going to have an article up here soon on the website talking about the, the Planeswalkers. Do you want to, before we get into uh, our heavyweight title match <laughs> of the Planeswalkers, do you want to just give a little preview of that? Uh, well, I, I think we'll probably cover most of it as we talk about the Planeswalkers, but I kind of just go through step-by-step step through each Planeswalker and explain why they suck. <laughs> <laughs> that might so, be a little harsh, because yeah. they don't all, they're not all that bad, but, but that's so, kind of uh, the idea. Yeah. We, got the, we got the prognostics things 2.0 happening right <laughs> But you corrected me. We're at 3.0. 3.0. Death Mist Raptor was 2.0. Yeah, that was a that was a collected fail. Collected company. Oh, all right. Yeah, <laughs> we got that one right at least. All right. So um, let's just start it off. Let's start with the the Planeswalkers. So so Richard, do you want to start with Gideon? Yeah, let, let's start with the champion here. So uh, his front face, Kaitian, hero of Akros. A one-mana 2-1, he's a legendary creature, a human soldier. And at the end of combat, if Kaipion, Hero of Akros, is at, and at least two other creatures attack this combat, exile Kaipion, then return him to the battlefield, transformed under his owner's control. And he has an activated ability, uh, two white becomes indestructible. And then uh, his uh, Planeswalker side, he starts with three loyalty, uh, his plus two is up to one target creature and opponent controls attacks Gideon uh, during his next turn. His plus one until your next turn, target creature gains indestructible. Untap that creature. And then his zero, he becomes a 4-4 four, four human soldier with indestructible, that's still a planeswalker, prevents all damage to him. Uh, so that is Gideon and... He is Savannah Lion plus plus plus. So he is definitely very playable even without his Planeswalker side. His indestructibility clause makes him really good. And if you raise the alarms on turn two, you can transform him on turn three. And then on turn four, you have a one man of four four to go to town with. So I think he'll definitely be played if there is any archetype that involves mono white or uh, green-white. So it's just going to depend on whether there's enough cards to support those archetypes. Yeah, we've come a long way from uh, Savannah Lions, haven't we? Savannah Lions used to be so good, and now, <laughs> like, a one-mana 2-1 doesn't cut it, right? You need to attack on, like, five extra abilities to, to make him special. Yeah, and this one has to turn into a Planeswalker. Well, you were saying off-cast that, like, if you took the Planeswalker side off of this, this would probably still be viable. It definitely is. I think a one mana two one, you know, he's legendary, so there's some drawbacks, but he can also become indestructible. Um, so I think the one mana two one is just good enough, right? People need one drop, so unless they print like a one mana three three in green or something, like this is a pretty solid one drop. Yeah, because I mean, the red decks were playing Zergo Bell Striker, and that's legendary, and they had no problem playing four of those. Yeah, and and this trades with Zergo, so like it's it's not the end of the world. Um, 
the, the only problem is like Seder Wayfinder kind of puts a, a roadblock up. You don't want to really spend three mana on your turn three just to attack and like run into a Seder Wayfinder. But I mean, it is a two one. It has some drawbacks, but it's a, a two one is good enough, right? Like it's it's good enough to be played. And then on the upside that you do flip him, he becomes you know pretty good, right? You get a an indestructible blocker if you want. You get to tap one of your creatures, your opponent's creatures, by making them attack Gideon, or you get the four-four kind of uh, police main line indestructible thing rolling into the red zone. Yeah, uh, Seth, what are your thoughts on uh, Kaithion slash Gideon? Well, I think Kaithion is easily the most playable of the whole cycle. Like, I re- when I was researching my article, I realized over the course of Magic history, we've had seven Savannah Lions printed. Only seven two ones for one white mana. And four of them are currently standard legal. So there's potential for an all-in, like, white weenie deck. I'm really interested to see what someone like Craig Wesco will do with this. Uh, we have Spear of Helio- Helioid in the format. We have Hall of Triumph in the format. Um, so there's ways to play a whole bunch of cheap white creatures, play three one-drops on the first two turns, and then start buffing them up with artifacts and enchantments. So I think he's definitely going to see play. And like Richard said, you don't even need to flip him. Like the backside, if that was a regular magic card back, the card would still be good. Yeah, and um, it actually is It's good that he's legendary because you can probably combo this with that um, that sword from Fate Reforged. So that that actually has something going for it, too. Uh, because you were talking about that uh, Hero's Blade, actually, because, you know, they were playing these, like, Isamaru Hanukanda and then just loading them up with equipment. There is uh, actually some decent equipment out there, uh, which actually is going to be talked about when we talk about uh, Relic Hunter. Ooh, so we're going to get, like, five-color legendary <laughs> Planeswalker <laughs> Hero's Blade Relic Hunter deck? Yeah, and maybe. I mean... Company. Like, yeah, and Collected Company. You can actually play both, like, if you have a flipped Gideon, you can play Gideon, right? Like the, I mean, you can play Kytheon with the Gideon Battleforge on the field, right? Yeah. yeah. So you can actually play, you know, quote-unquote two legendaries at the same time. So he, his drawback is at least kind of uh, mitigated. Yeah, so I, I'm, th- I'm thinking this is a really good, this will end up being one of the more viable Planeswalkers. Now, does this is this just like a standard all-star, or does this have applications outside of standard? Uh, I'm pretty sure this is only a standard card. I don't know if I'd call it an all-star. It's probably a standard staple just because of its stats on its creature side, but I, I can't really imagine there being a deck in Modern or Legacy that would be looking for this. Right. I mean, it does. you can collect a company and, and grab this, so that's not like the worst thing ever. I guess, but I don't know if really like collected company. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be in there. And um, I mean, in I modern, don't know if, yeah, you can hit a goyf, you can hit a knight of the reliquary. Like I don't think you're trying to collect a company into uh, a one-two or a two-one. Yeah, like there, I don't. I just don't think it muscles its way in into like any kind of slot in uh, collected company. I mean, it could maybe a one of. I, I don't know, just to be like spicy, but don't want to really be cute about it. So if this is actually played, where do you think its price will land? Given that uh, currently it's about twenty bucks pre-order. Uh, what's Narset at right now? <laughs> I think it's Nar- Narset twenty-four. Narset's eleven though. Narset at eleven from sixty to eleven. <laughs> what should I expect for Gideon if I feel like playing White Weenie? <laughs> I'd say eight to ten dollars. Yeah, I was going to say 10 bucks, so I'm right right about where Chaz was, right in that range. 
Yeah. I mean, 20 just seems like a really conservative buy, uh, pre-order price to, like, not lose any money on this. But, um, I mean, to really hold $20 is a lot. There are, like, a lot of downsides that we talked about. But if, if Elspeth, or uh, not uh, Elspeth, um, Narset was pre-ordering for forty nine ninety nine and dropped all the way to 11 I don't. I don't really think this could really hold uh, twenty dollars. So I'm agreeing with Seth, like eight to ten or something like that. I don't actually think this is the best Planeswalker. So really, <laughs> this, yeah, this, this green guy over here. No, you better no, say no. Liliana. <laughs> no, no, yeah. I'm, well, Jace. we're gonna talk. Well, we talked about Liliana. Yeah, Jace is definitely my favorite. <laughs> definitely the best one. No, we're we're gonna devote a fifteen minute podcast to how bad Jace is. So just so we get the prognostic Sphinx 3.0 out there. <laughs> All right, um, so let's move on to Chandra. Sure. Yeah, sure. So let's Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh. A one red red. Uh, so three converted mana cost two two. Uh, whenever you cast a red spell, untap Chandra. Uh, Chandra, so you tap her, Chandra deals one damage to target player. If Chandra has dealt three or more damage this turn, exile her and uh, return to the battlefield flipped. And then her flip side, she starts with four loyalty, plus one deals two damage to target creature, uh, sorry, target player, minus two deals two damage to target creature, and then minus seven deals six damage to each opponent. Each player dealt damage this way, gets an emblem at the beginning of your upkeep. This emblem deals uh, three damage to you. Uh, so, Sandra, what do you guys think? Three mana for a 2-2, two, two, um, being double red, so you're going to be pretty devoted to, I mean, no pun intended, uh, to uh, red. I just don't know if three mana for a vanilla 2-2 two, two is where you want to be in, like, a aggressive-style deck. So, I don't know if it's going to fit into, like, a traditional mono-red decklist where you have either this or Flame Wake Phoenix on your curve. I think you may want to lead towards Flame Wake Phoenix and that kind of strategy. But, I mean, this could be in some other type of, I don't know, like a heavy burn decklist type thing where you're not playing that many creatures uh, and you're, you know, playing more, like, spell heavy. That's that's my initial take. What's yours, uh, Seth? Yeah, that that's my thought, too. Like, really, the only way this works is uh, pretty much as, like, a lava axe in a burn deck. Like, if you can play it and untap with it, which definitely isn't a given, considering it's a 2-2-3 drop, uh, and you have a couple spells in your hand, you can do 3 damage uh, by tapping it back and forth when you cast spells, and then flip it and do 2 more damage with a plus 1. So, if you untap, you should be able to get 5 damage out of it, but Lava Axe just isn't that good. Like, is that really uh, what we want to be doing? Is 5 damage worth it, like, considering the drawbacks to it? I, mean, I don't think Lava Axe has seen play for a very long time. So <laughs> It's no Borderland Ranger. It's not, and we're going to talk about that too. So it's definitely not Borderland Ranger. Right now, you have this or Goblin Rabblemaster still in standard. I mean, I don't, I don't really see myself playing this over Goblin Rabblemaster. Yeah, she has a lot of weird restrictions. Like, you can only ping a player on her front side. Like, why can't I ping a creature, right? And you need to play two spells to be able to flip her. Um, so it's it's a lot of work, and then her abilities are, are pretty, like, meh. Like, 
I, I don't know. Like if I if you could just somehow straight up cast the backside, like I don't even know if I'd be that excited. So it's like it's a lot of work to get to the Chandra, and it still kind of sucks. And I think three mana for the backside would have been wait the actual planeswalker part would have been fine. I think you have to tone down her loyalty, but for her yeah, abilities... Yeah, maybe like three. Yeah, three would have been fine, I think. Yeah. But, I don't know, we're we're back to bad Chandra's, you know. We, <laughs> we we had a couple of good Chandra's in there, but then we're back to these uh, questionable Chandra's. Well, you guys said she's made for a burn deck, but then she's this really awkward, random creature in the burn deck, and you need to do a lot of work just to make her burn stuff. Like, if you top deck her, she's, like, terrible, right? Like, if you don't have spells to, yeah. to cast, like, yeah. what the hell, right? So, well, it I feels mean, like she doesn't have a home. Yeah, I mean, you can attack, play a spell, untap, ping, flip, but then, like, all right, so you have the flip, like, two damage to target player, I guess that's okay, because then you could potentially deal, like, five damage in one turn, which is all right. But, like, minus two to two damage to target creature, like, what does that actually kill right now? Like, nothing. Doesn't kill a rhino. Doesn't kill a lion. It kills a civic. It kills a. I mean, a rabble master. I guess that's okay, but kills borderland really ranger. It definitely kills borderland ranger, but um, borderland ranger would just just shrug that off. <laughs> I mean, the, I wonder the if there's ultimate. like some way to like break her with like an infinite chain of like red spells or something, and then just like use her as a combo piece. Past and flames. Maybe that's the way to do this. I think it's kind of interesting with Jeskai Ascendancy, since that has you can trigger the untap without casting red spells and use it just like a machine gun to ping your opponent. That's true. The problem is she flips on the third damage, so you can't really loop like Retraction Helix and Astral Cornucopia. You have to do it at instant speed in response to the flipping trigger. Yeah, that's how you would have to do it. You would have to respond to her flipping by triggering her and dealing more damage. Yeah, that's how you'd have to do it. But I mean, like, still, like, does this really make... I mean, you could... Didn't the, um, like, the heroic version, like, the Jeskai Ascendancy, like, is that really... Is this much better than that? Uh, No, it's probably worse. It gives you a plan (laughs) B, right? (laughs) I guess it gives you... Get a Chandra and try to win, but... I don't know. I'm not very excited for the Chandra. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a three mana two two, which isn't like that exciting in red, like double red. I don't know. Well, speaking of three mana two twos that Chaz loves, yes, <laughs> you guys want to talk yeah. about Nissa? Yes, we yeah we really do. <laughs> All right, break, break out Nissa for us, Richard. All right, Nissa Vastwood Seer, a three mana two two. She's two and one green, uh, legendary elf scout. Uh, when Nissa enters a battlefield, you may search your library for a basic forest, reveal it, and put it in your hand, shuffle your library. Uh, whenever a land enters a battlefield under your control, if you control seven or more lands, uh, flip Nissa. And Nissa, Sage Animist, she starts with three loyalty. Uh, plus one, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a land card, put it onto the battlefield. Otherwise, put it in your hand. Minus two, put a legendary 4-4 green elemental creature token named Ashaya, the Awoken World, onto the battlefield. Yeah. Minus seven, untap up to six target lands. They become six, el- six, six elemental creatures. They're still lands. So Borderland Rangers, Shaz, you really like her. Nissa Borderland Ranger. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm getting that feeling again. 
you know, with uh, with Ojutai. I mean, it's definitely not the same feeling considering she's pre-ordering for now $19.99. So um, I don't know how much more upside there is. But, I mean, I like her as a card. I don't know if how, like, financially viable this could be, like, where you, I guess, make money on this. But, I mean, to go back to her other Nissa previously in the in the last core set, I mean, the same thing was said when she was pre-ordering at nineteen ninety nine. Like, yeah, she's good, but you know, she's just good. And then all of a sudden, she's forty dollars. I don't know if this is a forty dollar planeswalker, but Borderland Ranger. And uh, just so, um, just so uh, there was a article on Channel Channel Fireball, and uh, Sam Pardee definitely agrees with me that Civic Wayfinder and Borderland Ranger have been perfectly fine standard playables at various times. So. <laughs> That's exactly what I was saying. <laughs> um, so I'm glad Sam Pardee agreed with me. But uh, her flip side is basically um, Sarkhan Unbroken, right? Uh, you know, you make a 4-4, you can potentially draw cards, and her ultimate basically is like a win-the-game kind of thing. Well, you, um, you always draw a card. Yeah, with, with Sarkhan. No, yeah, no, no, with Nissa. Or, it's, yeah, either if it's a land you put in the battlefield, otherwise just put it in your hand. So you always get the right. you get the card. You're really always drawing your cards. So it's kind of like Sarkhan Unbroken, which is kind of it never really went anywhere, but it was still okay uh, an okay planeswalker. The problem the, the problem is he's not a Borderland Ranger to begin <laughs> with. So <laughs> no, but but think about it. I mean, it's, first of all, it's not Borderland Ranger. You can only grab a forest. Strictly worse than Borderland Ranger. Right, yeah. So I she mean, doesn't help you. The reason you play Borderland Rangers is usually to fix your mana, right? You're typically not fetching a forest. You're typically playing some weird, like, three, four, five color deck. Um, right. The, the fact that it's only a forest is kind of crappy, but... Like, the, the, I mean, the problem is, like, would you play Nyssa if she was, say, like, just a six mana Planeswalker and you got her flip side? No, like, I feel like her front side is kind of useless, but, like, if you somehow flip her, then she's really good, right? Drawing a card every turn is, like, awesome, right? So if you somehow manage to flip her, but you need seven lands to flip her, right? So it's going to be pretty difficult to flip her, like, at any reasonable well, pace, right? Well, well, I think the question you really have to ask is, how insurmountable is seven mana these days in standard? I mean, I don't really think it, seven mana is that bad anymore, like especially when she's giving you a mana every single time you're playing her. And no, I wouldn't pay six mana for her flip side. I mean, it is a great Planeswalker, like, in terms of her abilities. I wouldn't pay six mana for her, but I would pay three mana for her, considering that um, you're always going to be able to flip her uh, because you get the land that's going to flip her when you play her. Yeah. So every... My, my thing is, is that every... Nissa Vassward Seer that you play gets progressively better in the sense that they're always going to give you the land to flip her after seven, and in the beginning, it's ramping you towards that seven mana. Like, the, the problem with seven mana is relatively difficult in standard, but when people hit seven, they usually do it off the back of, like, Elvish Mystic, Sylvan Carrioted, Nykthos, Voyaging Seder. Like, I don't know how many times people actually have, like, seven actual lands in play, right? Like, people are ramping up you know, they, they, they cheat with creatures and stuff, right? So, so like, I, I don't know, right? Like, if you, like, she's a really late game play. So the question is, do you think she's worth it on turn seven? And if she, you know, if you do, then I think she's really good. Um, but, you know, getting there is going to be, like, half the battle. 
I think she's still I think she's still worth it on turn seven. So be- better than Gideon? Is she your top top walker? At okay, early uh, the way I would evaluate them in terms of saying like like Gideon is better early like Gideon is better early on and gets like worse as the game goes on considering it might not be it might still be like kind of tricky to uh, to flip him considering you know there was another card spoiled languish that we'll get into but Nissa like later on the game considering that you're going to be able to always flip her once you have her stipulation is met yeah once you have that seven mana she's always going to give you that land to play after to flip her so, I mean, later on, I think she's better, and I think her Planeswalker side is pretty damn good. I mean, Gideon does turn into a 4-4. This gives you a 4-4. The plus one, you're always going to get value out of it, whether you're getting a land or drawing a card. And the minus seven, I mean, if you ever get to it, is probably going to win you the game. I'm, so there's there's upside and downside. The upside to Nissa is she's the best Planeswalker to draw off the top in the late game. Like... Right. Chandra, Gideon, Jace, Liliana, they're between like middling to very bad if you draw them on turn seven. Nissa is an excellent draw if you draw it on turn seven or turn eight. Uh, the downside is she can still die to like an ultimate price in response to her flipping trigger. Like that search for a land trigger is actually kind of a negative in that situation because even if you choose no, you don't want to search for a land, that trigger goes on the stack. So there's a window there for your opponent to ultimate price the creature Nissa before she gets to flip. Well, yeah, I mean, they mm. have plenty of time to kill this before she flips anyway because you're you're putting it into your hand. But, I mean, even and... in the late game, though, on turn seven, like, you play that and you're not guaranteed that she's going to turn into a Planeswalker because there's still that window to kill her before she would flip over, even in the late game. Right, yeah, I, I get that. I get that downside. I mean, every all of the Planeswalkers have that downside to be killed before they flip but her backside like her planeswalker half is probably just the most powerful out of the whole cycle like i don't think it's really close i I think it's um i mean liliana's is pretty damn good too Mm. considering you know um like considering it 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 feeds you a card for delve which is like relevant these days her minus x is basically ashiok and her minus eight um i guess is okay you know her her minus eight is fine but I mean, I wouldn't even really ever use her minus eight. Yeah. I don't know. I think... I mean, in terms like, raw power, she's obviously the strongest, right? But that's like having a ten-mana card and saying, you know, this is the Yes, it's a strong yeah, card, but, true. like, how are you ever going to get this thing into play, like, and do something reasonable? I think that's the problem. Like, seven lands, I think, is a lot like Ugin or Nissa. Like, what's but, better, right? Like, I'd rather just play Ugin if I'm going to, like, have seven lands sitting around, right? So the yeah. the question is like, do you need a Borderland Rangers in between that? And I don't know that Borderland Rangers is impactful enough for me to to make that trade off between Nissa and Ugin, right? So I think that's the crux of the problem. Like, yeah, if you get her to flip and she's sitting there, yeah, she's awesome, right? You know, plus one draw card, yeah, that's like totally broken, right? You can obviously win the game with that, right? But it's just getting to that point is going to be pretty difficult, I think. Right, and I I think I, I mean I don't. This is me just saying it's a good card. Now, I don't think it's going to be like it, it doesn't have to be like a forty dollar card to be a good card. I mean, I don't. I mean that those seem like mutually exclusive things these days. But um, <laughs> <Narset>. <laughs> you know, are, are all things considered. But 
I think it's time to go back to 2009, man. <laughs> how to go back to the too- days where Borderland Rangers were playable. Yeah. Back I mean, in my day, we played three mana two twos and were satisfied. Yeah, because you got to land. I mean, it was good enough to play alongside, like, Baneslayer Angel. So I think it, uh, I think it has a chance. Dude, I, what was Iron Claw Orcs? What, what the hell was that? What was, like, the original terrible card in Sly? Oh. <laughs> uh. It was uh, Iron Claw Orcs. They the were Iron also Claw one orcs. standard playable. Yeah. <laughs> a two two. I'm just that's what I'm that's all I'm saying. Hey, we're man. going Is back that... to Origins, right? <laughs> so exactly. 2009. I mean, if you want to read the article <laughs> uh, on Channel Fireball, Sam Fardy puts out some some good. Uh, I don't know about four explosive vegetation. That seems like a little much, but that that uh, Abzan Control List definitely gets to like seven mana plus. So, yeah, I think this is just another weapon in their arsenal because, you know, you get to play Elspeth, you get to play the flip side of Nyssa. I don't know. Definitely could be good. I'm voting second best besides Liliana. Ooh. Yeah. I might give her second best, but I think it's got to be behind Gideon. You know, everyone's disrespecting Liliana just because she was spoiled months ago, and everyone's forgotten yeah, exactly. about her. See, she's really yeah, good. I think, I think that's, I think that's what it is, is that people are disrespecting her. She has the the best outside. She shot. kills all the planeswalkers with her two three body. You know, <laughs> she does. <laughs> that's true. And gives you life back. Yeah. And a zombie like that. That part of it is really nice with Liliana. Like you're getting some value when she transforms uh, with the zombie token. She has the best outside shot of being played outside of standard. Yeah, I, I like, think she's the strongest. Like that that alone to me means that it's the best card. Like if you can if a card is played in multiple formats, that to me is my criteria of what I would rate the card at. Like sure like a card is great in standard, but like what does that really mean sometimes? Like yeah, it's great in standard. Um it's a good card, but it's not a great card. Like a card being played in legacy and modern really speak to me as this is probably going to be the best card. So, Gurmag Angler. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Ho- hooting Mandrels. Uh, That's a great card. Dude, but Lil- Liliana, like, is the best card, I think. She also, like, has the best flavor. Like, she's the most interesting card, right? And the art is, like, also phenomenal. And she's, like, really powerful. I think this is, like, there's a reason she was spoiled first. I think she's, right. like, kind of, like, the best she, thing she, out of the set. She's constantly pre like selling out at nineteen ninety nine. I wouldn't be surprised like if this is the Nissa World Waker of Magic Origins. I mean, considering like the Planeswalkers are gonna hold most of the value in the set. I mean unless a unless a certain blue card that got spoiled holds a lot of the Let's put some more controversial cards. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So Days Undoing. Uh, a two mana, uh, two colorless, one blue, so three converted mana cost sorcery. Uh, each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. If it's your turn, end the turn. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, yeah, so we've been by cards that look like Time Twister before. <clears throat> um, I just don't see this card being all that good. It's a sorcery speed draw seven that makes you end your turn. Like with cards like this, what I think of is combo potential when you're playing a deck like high tide or storm and you just want to refuel your hand so you can keep your uh, chain of combo going. 
this card doesn't let you do that because it ends your turn immediately when uh, once you once it resolves. So I don't know. Maybe there's some applications I'm not seeing, but I think this is the next time reversal and think it's going to be very overhyped and then unplayed. Time reversal was like a twenty nine ninety nine pre order or something like that. Right? Yeah, I think it was over forty. It was oh. it was a hugely hyped. Oh my god, that's awful, man. That's really really awful. I I would be really sad if someone really if I if I like met someone who pre ordered that card. They're going for about thirty dollars right now on eBay. Days undoing. Yeah, for pre thirty. Thirty. Yeah, pre ordering for nineteen ninety nine and sold out. Uh, already, yeah. I think this card has potential. I think this could be Treasure Cruise. Um, so obviously, Wizards didn't want combo decks to go rampant, so they ended your turn. Um, it's not going to be played in Legacy. Like refilling your opponent's hand is bad news in Legacy. They'll have Force <laughs> of Will, Days, Spell Pierce, Thoughtseize. They'll combo off on their turn, so you definitely don't want to do that. But I think in Modern or Standard, it's perfectly acceptable to like turn one Lightning Bolt. Turn two, lightning bolt, lightning bolt. Turn three, days undoing, and then like your opponent has to kill you that next turn, and you know unless they're playing Splinter Twin, they probably can't. And then you'll untap, and now you have four mana and seven burn cards to kill them with. So I think if you play it in that kind of shell, I think it can be powerful. Uh, you can also try janky things like quicken days undoing. Um, so it's definitely not, you know, time twister proper because you can't use it as a combo piece but uh, I, I think as a refilling card we, we haven't had a strong card to refill your hands at three converted mana cost so I think as a symmetrical refill your hand I think it might actually be uh, viable so I think it's actually a very interesting card and it might be the next treasure cruise people might find a way to abuse it and then here we have power nine and standard again and modern modern every format well just like treasure cruise before they ban it everywhere yeah, I mean, if you're if you're pretty uh, confident it won't see play in Legacy, then I, I don't think we have to worry about it in Legacy, right? I mean, what deck really wants this? Yeah, I will, like you, there, you, you don't want to refill your opponent's hand. It's like, you really it's don't. Like, no. like in, in Legacy, you can play cards for free, right? So you definitely don't want to do this, even if they're tapped out or whatever. Like you usually don't want to do this, but there might be some weird combo deck that, that uses this, but I don't really see that happening. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about this off-cast. I mean, let's just say you use Quicken in Legacy. I mean, you're, now you're paying four mana in Legacy in two cards. I mean, I don't know if that's really worth it in Legacy. Yeah, and they can still force will days, whatever the hell you're going to do during your turn. So, like, <laughs> exactly. it still didn't buy you much. And plus, in Legacy, most uh, all cards are, like, one converted mana cost. So it's it's hard for you to empty your hand before your opponent unless you're actually playing Storm and this deck is this card doesn't really fit in Storm. So um, there's not that disparity that you could see in Standard or Modern where one deck can empty their hand much quicker than the other. Yeah. At the, uh, at the same time though, it's kind of like Heartbeat of Spring in a way. Like the problem is you're giving your opponent the first shot with those seven cards. Like that's what's different about time spiral time spiral for example you get to untap your lands and you get the first chance to play the cards you drew with days undoing yeah you got to draw seven cards but your opponent gets to play all their cards first or leave mana untapped to disrupt whatever you're doing but that's why you play like burn right like you give your opponent that free turn and you know if their hand is full of siege rhinos or whatever they're not going to be able to do anything but if your hand is full of like zero and one 
converted mana cost cards, you can unload it, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess in very specific decks, I could see that being powerful, but it doesn't seem like the kind of card you can just jam into uh, many builds and expect to benefit from drawing seven. Yeah, I definitely so, agree with that. I would say it's probably a burn card or a Delver tempo deck card or, or something like that. And it has to be like standard or modern where giving your opponent a free turn will cost you the game, right? Right. Like, yeah, in modern, this could probably be a four of uh, like in burn, just like Treasure Cruise was. But, I mean, you're... Ooh. We're bringing back burn in modern, Seth. Oh, <laughs> hooray! Well, no, well, yeah, I mean, it's not nearly as bad as Treasure Cruise because it's not one mana, and you're basically sacrificing your turn to refill your hand. Because, I mean, three mana is a lot in burn. Yeah. Um, and, you're, yeah, you're basically, like, time-walking them um, by refilling your hand and then giving them seven cards. Okay, so what what if what if you play like Notion Thief or Spirit of the Labyrinth and then go into Days Undoing? Oh, yeah, you yeah. could. Yeah, in Legacy, going deep. <laughs> Break the that symmetry. Could be sweet. I, yeah. I like that. I like how you don't draw the extra card from Quicken. <laughs> I told you, you attack this command and you instantly instant speed drop a land. <laughs> then you days undoing. I love how you play Quicken just so it's a one mana play a sorcery as an instant, and you don't even get the 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 card that you get from Quicken because it just gets milled away instantly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Nineteen ninety nine is a lot. Uh, I mean, this would have to really be like insane to cost more than nineteen ninety nine. That's already like a very high initial investment on this. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like these kind of cards. It's a little dangerous, though. I, I think it has time to be broken, but it's it's the cards that like people like, right? It's like, oh, how can I break this? You know, there, there's got to be some way I can break this, right? So I, I think it's really well done from a design perspective, provided that it's not just horribly broken, right? And if, it, if it's another one of these bad cards, then like, so be it, right? Join, join the group. Of like terrible P9 reprints, right? But I, I think it's it's wizards playing around treasure crews, right? They're they're trying to reprint Power Nine with the appropriate downside, and sometimes they do it correctly, and sometimes they do it incorrectly. I'll take my steady value and play my Borderland Ranger for three minutes. <laughs> so Nissa over Days Undoing. <laughs> Absolutely, green all the way. <laughs> all right, let's so talk about next mythic. Seth's, yeah, let's talk about Seth's mythic. Oh boy. Starfield of Nyx. Four colorless, one white. Five converted mana cost. It's an enchantment. Uh, at the beginning of your upkeep, you may return target enchantment from your graveyard to the battlefield. As long as you control five or more enchantments, each other non-aura enchantment you control is a creature in addition to its other types and has base and uh, base power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. So Seth, Seth, this is your card, man. Alright, so I really like this card. I still haven't figured out exactly why I like it so much. I think there's a chance that all the budget, like, janky combo decks I've been making lately have clouded my mind, and I just think <laughs> anything like this is super sweet now. Um, but it seems like there's got to be a way that this is powerful. Even, like, black-green constellations in standard, just to get back um, a Doomwake Giant or Eidolon of Blossoms every turn, not to mention... Uh, banishing light. There's a lot of like incremental value you can generate with this card, even just the recursive uh, like enchantment aspect of it. 
as far as the turning everything into creatures, to me that makes me want to play Ley Lines in Legacy. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that deck. It is absolutely hilarious, but one of the problems yeah. is it doesn't have like that many ways to turn their Ley Lines into creatures, and this is another way of doing that. Well, you have to... Well, the, the thing is, like, let's just say for Ley Lines, like how badly this would bust ley line, the Ley Line deck, is getting a 5-mana a lot harder to get, to get to 4-mana in that deck? Because I, Opalescence is 4. Are you I actually trying so. to cast Ley Lines, though? Or are you not just trying to put them into play at the beginning of the game? Well, no. How do, well, to get the Opalescence out. Oh, okay. Because you I, need to play Opalescence, right? You yeah, and I mean that's where you have Sierra's Sanctum come into play. So I'm not sure how exactly how big of a deal it is. Like I guess you would need an extra ley line on the battlefield to make Sierra's Sanctum tap for five. So maybe that's a problem, but I think it could still uh, come into play in addition to Opalescence. I don't think it'll replace it, but it it has the power I think to maybe be playable in that deck. Not that that deck is like gonna break the format or anything, but it is a cool like fringe option. Hey man, it might be time for Sarah's Sanctum. I'm I'm totally stoked for Sarah's Sanctum. If this is uh making if this is generating any buzz on anything to do with Sarah's Sanctum, I'm in. And there's there's also a, like a mono white prison deck that uses Nixos and like Ghostly Prison and all those cards in modern, and it could fit in well there just as like this grindy enchantment to keep getting things back from your graveyard, keep getting back lock pieces and uh grinding out the game that way. Now, I am inclined to agree with you that you've been doing way too many budget <laughs> decks and <laughs> stuff like this just looks better than it is. No, it, it is a pretty sweet enchantment. Ah. I mean, so, okay, so everyone that doesn't, that that's had this question, when you trigger the second part of this, it does turn your coursers into 3-3s and your Eidolon of Blossoms into 4-4s. So we did your omniscience that. into a 10-10. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, if, if this becomes a thing, I mean, you're looking at a race, and I wouldn't want to pay a five-mana enchantment and then get us a race, because I would kind of be sad. But getting your Corsair Crucifix back every turn could be good. I don't know. Definitely getting a Doomweight Giant back every turn would be awesome. That would be like the ultimate value in Standard for sure. I think Seth has convinced me. When I, when I first read this, I thought it was like this weird janky deck that turned uh, your enchantments to creatures. So I saw him write it, you know, tri- Oblivion Ring Tribal, right? You, know, you can turn like Rest in Peace into the proper hate bear that it should be, right? But the key part is actually the first part of this card, the reoccurring enchantments, right? Yeah. Uh, for five mana, every turn you get back your Corsair. Uh, if you have two Starfield of Nixes, uh, you can just recur each other, and you have like this unlimited supply of five fives. Um, so I think it definitely is playable as long as we still have Theros in the block, and we have all of these enchantments, right? The gods. Um, so I think there's actually some hype here. I think you can actually build a deck and have this be <laughs> legitimate. Um, this is this, this is, is not uh... just some weird janky thing. I think it's a <laughs> You know, it's like one of these like very strong five mana value cards if you can build your deck around it. Yeah, this is uh, Seth's Crucible of the Spirit Dragon 2.0. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it'll be that if they print like Starfield of Nyx 2 in the next set <laughs> that yeah. just completely overshadows this one for some reason. <laughs> yes, that would. Yes, that's what we would need. 
for to for this yeah. to happen. All the your same, yeah. <laughs> oh, they turn into enchantments with power double their converted mana cost, <laughs> and you return them all to the battlefield at your upkeep. Yeah, they that's, just that's they just coming. print the exact same enchantment, only it's three mana. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, wizards hate me. Well, I mean, I think if well, you just need Chapin and Flores to make a deck around this card. So five <laughs> mana enchantments with Starfield of Mix. I think it happens. I'm going to barrage them on Twitter for the next week until they do it. Yeah, I'm going to email them extensively <laughs> to uh, talk about this on their on their cast and to make a deck about Starfield. <laughs> Is anyone surprised they printed this in the quote-unquote last core set? This is a very complicated card. I'm surprised. Like, I'm more surprised that they didn't print this in Theros block. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's too complicated. Like, welcome to the world of Legacy, where no one does knows, like, how cards interact. There'll be so many judge calls, people will be so confused about how layering works and things like that. So, uh, it's actually very interesting to me that they've decided to put this in, and I, I don't know if they're going to put this in the uh, the online Magic Duels game. Um, but, you know, it's like, here, welcome to this game. Here's this weird, obscure rule. <laughs> <laughs> Don't read what the card says. Overwrite its power and toughness with this other card, you know. It's just, it's just a very complicated card to play with, so. Yeah. Well, it, it's good for new players to learn how to play against humility in cards like that, right? So maybe it's a good thing? Yeah, but no one knows how to play against humility. <laughs> you just call the judge. That's what I do when I see humility now. I'm just like, call the judge. <laughs> or Trinisphere. Trinisphere is a good one, too. Uh, Trinisphere, humility, lands. We need an enchantment land, please. Is there an enchantment land? How would that interact with this? <laughs> they printed the best Theros enchantment in non-Theros plot. Yeah. Well, they, actually, they referenced Nyx. Is, is that like... Yeah, that's. I mean, is, is that Iliad, a bad thing? Can you reference well, Nyx in like a? Well, it's the Origins. Oh, I guess like, it's Origins, so it's okay. It's, well, there, it's like many different planes in one set. So. Yeah, I guess like that's Gideon's home plane or whatever. Like he's from Theros, apparently. Is there some Greek statue things in the background? <laughs> yeah, that is that's that's Gideon's home plane. So I mean, you have Heliod and uh, Erebus right on the picture, so. Is that what that is? Oh, is that what they are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's Heliod and Erebus. Just Oh. Yeah. A really good painting. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move What's along. Next? Let's, let's let, move let's, on. Let's, let's knock the, out some uh, rares. The best card. The best card in the set. The damnation oh. we all want but don't deserve. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Batman. Languish. Two. Black. Black. Uh... Sorcery. All creatures get minus four or minus four until end of turn. Uh, it is also our game day champion promo, uh, in addition to being a regular rare. Uh, so what do you guys think, Languish? Black did not need this right now. <laughs> Black did not need this. <laughs> this is... Uh, well, Richard, you can now safely play Guramag Angler in yep. standard, in all formats. This, this is, like, a really dumb card, in my opinion. Like, sure, it's not Damnation, right? You can't play blue-black control. It's not going to wipe the board. But all of the creatures with big butts happen to be black at this moment, right? Like Tastiger, um, Gurmag okay. Angler, uh, more Rhino. importantly, Siege Rhino, yeah. right? Uh, Sidisi. So you can kind of one-side board wipe uh, with Languish and... 
you know, a lot of the important cards, like Thunderbreak Regent, still die to this. Uh, Dragonlord Ojitai die to this. So this, this is a weird time to be printing when so many black cards have uh, five toughness or more. So I think this will be a really strong card. I think it will be played a lot. Um, but, yeah, black will still be around because of language. <laughs> this is probably better than Damnation. Actually, it is better than Damnation right now in standard. In standard. Yeah. If they if they printed Damnation and like had the option to choose this, I think we would be wanting this right now. It's no. just yeah. no. <laughs> you everyone wants Damnation, but no. But I <laughs> mean, your point. Yeah. Right. Well, in standard, uh, I would say that. Yeah. I, I, of course, people would want Damnation, but this is just better in the in the decks that would that would have played Damnation, like in those mid rangey type decks. Yeah, it seems insane in those decks. Like, it uh, here forever. <laughs> I think we should call it All is Flat, because Flatten was a four-mana black spell that gave a creature negative four, negative four. Yeah. Yeah? Maybe. You should send your resume to Watsy right now. <laughs> <laughs> I already did. Yeah. They haven't got back to me. <laughs> yeah, well, when they see All is Flat, they'll be like, yeah. Let's just pass over this application. Go back to Goldfish, you bum. <laughs> um, no, nah, yeah, it's it's a really good card. I mean, I don't. There's nothing really else to say about this. Kills fleece main line. Yeah, kills kill. a lot of stuff. It's like yeah, it's yeah. minus four, minus four too. It's not destroy or this. This you know, will like now, it actually has some yeah. upside. This will now be the uh, the creature check in in standard. Does it die to language? Gurmog Angler passes the flying colors. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. Hooting Mandrels does not. Hooting <laughs> <laughs> right, Mandrels so, does not. So yeah. Languish, really good card. I don't think there's much to talk about. No. Uh, what's its price at right now? Five ninety nine pre-orders. Do you, do you think that's? Do you think it'll go up? How how much was like? Well, I mean, well, well that's about Supreme right. Verdict it's during up, its heyday. It's, it's up to eight now, but you, um, that range like. Four to six dollars is usually where the premium wrath in a yeah. format tops off. That's about about where it should be, I think, over the long term. Yeah, I mean, Crux was very good when it was like the thing in standard, and that was like six bucks. It, it like that was the highest it ever pushed. Like when when you had to play Crux of Fate, like it was so good. Yeah, and Verdict topped out just below seven. So yeah, and that was like an insanely good wrath. It's just a better wrath because uh, can't couldn't be countered. So. All right. So moving on, we have Pia and Kieran Nalar. So these are presumably Chandra's parents. Uh, two colorless red red. So four converted mana cost. Legendary creature. Human artificer. 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 Yeah, artificer. 2-2. Two, two. Uh, when Pia and Kira Nalar enters the battlefield, put two 1-1 one, one Carlos Thopter creatures, uh, artifact creatures, with flying onto the battlefield. And you can pay two in a red, sacrifice an artifact. Uh, Pia and Nalar deal two damage to target creature or player. So some kind of weird siege gang commander with artifacts. What do you guys think? Yeah. So it's a mini siege gang. I, mean, I like it. The only drawback is it's legendary, unlike Siege Gang, but um, I think it's, I mean, I think it's good. I think it could be good somewhere. Uh, I don't think it's playable in Standard. 
I just don't see it. I don't think uh, three is a lot to activate the ability, and yes. you're just, I don't think you get that much. It's a two-two. Uh, Siege Gang gave you three goblins and was only two to activate, so I, I think it's significantly worse than Siege Gang, and uh, even beyond the legendary part of it, so I don't think it's going to see any play. Well, did Siege Gang actually see any play outside of a tribal deck? Yeah. Like, I, I think this thing is only playable if you can somehow build some kind of artifact synergy deck, which I don't know if we have enough cards to support that. Um, but, you know, if there was some kind of artifact deck, I think this could work. Dude, don't you want your, like, vanilla six-mana 4-4, four, four, like, artifact creature? <laughs> <laughs> Goldforge Sentinel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, there's not, I don't, there's not a lot of viable artifacts, I'll say that. So the the real question is, if Chandra's parents are artificers, why does Chandra not an artificer? <laughs> Why, why does she well, deal with fire, she, and why is she I, not Tezzeret? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think she would have been, but she, like, turned into, like, this shaman planeswalker thing. Yeah, she rebelled. They actually haven't I, spoken in, like, 15 <laughs> years. Yeah. I, I, I don't like this. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> this should have been, uh, she should have had some, like, artifact theme or something. I don't know. Flavor failed. They should have thrown some fireballs or something. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's let's rattle these these rares out. All right, uh, Alhammerit, High Arbiter. Alhammerit, <laughs> yeah. five, five colorless blue blue seven converted mana cost five five flying. As Alhammerit enters the battlefield, each opponent reveals his or her hand. You choose a name of a non land card revealed this way. Uh, your opponents can't cast spells with the chosen name. So a 7-mana 5-5 five, five, uh, Gitaxian Probe Meddling Mage <laughs> hybrid thing. What do you guys think? Uh, well, this is the obligatory crappy Sphinx that we get every set. Like, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's not playable. Whoever spoiled this, I don't remember who did it, but they it wrote really about... Is how it was playable in Legacy, potentially, so you could, like, sneak, yeah. and just sneak it in and see your opponent's hand before you went off with your Emrakul. Like, Emrakul, like, somehow needs Big Ale to be good in Legacy. <laughs> I, I saw that, and I, like, facepalm when I read the article. Yeah. <laughs> it's not playable yeah. anywhere. I, like, I, I don't think El Hammerhead's going to make the cut. Right? Like, the awkward thing is, like... When you play at seven mana, like what are what are the odds that your opponent has a grip full of cards that you can deny him of, right? Like your opponent's probably like hell bent to doing nothing, right? So yeah, oh, that's a nice forest you have there. <laughs> <laughs> Obligatory crappy sphinx that we get every set that's like could be good in EDH. Or and, like the art is like he looks like and uh, bad at the same time. He looks like uh, Jane from uh, Firefly, <laughs> like the face if you really zoom in. I don't know if you've seen that show, but yeah, that's is Jane as a as a Sphinx. All right, let's let's move on to the the Biovox <laughs> promo here. I wouldn't trust him. <laughs> you wouldn't <laughs> trust the five five flyer that could deny you what you have in your hands. <laughs> no. <laughs> Concentrated Sphinx, we need you. <laughs> yeah, that now that's a Sphinx I can get behind. Prognostic Sphinx. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, absolutely not. Not anymore. 
Seth ruined that card. Alright, Relic Seeker. One one colorless, one white. Human Soldier. He's a 2 2. Uh, renowned one. So, if you don't know what the ability is, when this creature deals combat damage to a player, if it isn't renowned, renowned? Man, can't pronounce the normal English words. <laughs> Put a plus one, plus one counter on it, and it becomes renowned. Uh, one Relic Seeker becomes renowned. You may search your library for an equipment card. Reveal it, put it in your hand, and shuffle your library. This is a buy a box promo. So what do you guys think? Yeah, buy a box promos uh, have been pretty good uh, recently. I mean, I'm not saying this is going to be like the next like Goblin Rabble Master where it's a $30 card, but um, they're kind of notorious for being buyable cards recently. I mean, if you look back at the few last few buy box promos, I mean... This last one, uh, Dragons of Tarkir, was uh, Ojutai's Command, which is a good card, but um, so they have a they have a chance of being really viable. Um, like, what would I'm you just play this? Really, I'm really sad it's not Get Famous. <laughs> I know that's how it was originally spoiled. <laughs> I'm so sad this is not Get Famous. <laughs> Almost I'm famous. Actually, I I should just buy the Japanese or Chinese versions of this where it like translates to get famous. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my only gripe with the card. I think this card is it's gonna be an all star in cubes. Like I think this is an auto include in almost every cube. You got the swords, you got jet. Um so I think it slots in there. A lot of cube players are excited. As far as standard it really depends on some sweet um, equipment being printed sometime uh, in Battle for Zendikar, I guess. So if that happens, even like a Bone Splitter or something would be pretty sweet. If that doesn't happen, uh, I don't think it can really see play. Well, Bone Splitter didn't get printed in Modern Masters 2015, so it was well, too powerful. So. I think it's too good for standard. <laughs> <laughs> Bone Splitter is uh, nuts. That card's insane. <laughs> I played when Bone Splitter was in standard. It was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't think we're going to get good equipment ever again <laughs> because we of Stoneforge Mystic. There, there's too many good uh, equipment now, yeah. so I think we're going to get stuff like yeah. Hero's Blade where it's conditionally good in the right deck. So, uh, I don't know, Hero's Blade, Relic Seeker, Gideon. <laughs> Maybe that's yeah. the thing. Relic Seeker, you got Relic Seeker, you got Hero's Blade, you got Kytheon, you have uh, Anafenza. Oh, are there any other a, good legendary? Both, actually, both Anafenzas. Oh yeah, you you're go, right. Man. Oh, you can play yeah, Grimaz. Yeah, Bramaz. Yeah, there you go, man. That's a, that's a deck. Book it. <laughs> <laughs> MTG Goldfish Podcast giving you the next uh, Legends. That's Heroes actually a pretty good deck. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually like not bad. <laughs> there you go, man. Yo, I got, I, we got you covered. <laughs> You could play Nissa. You could play Nissa on this deck, <laughs> dude. Dude, it you, and Liliana. Yo, the the elemental token she makes could equip Hero's Blade. <laughs> wow, that's, that's actually that's true. You did it. Holy hell, you we, got we're it. onto something here. That's why they made it legendary. Hero's Blade you could, synergy. You could, you could just play four Hero's Blades and four Collected Company and all of those cards. You could. Maybe I should get Hero's Blade. Hero's Blade seems right now. There's a lot of legendary creatures in this set. There really is. Yeah, see? I told you. Buy a box promos. Well, we can talk about uh, Hyksus Prison Warden. <laughs> he uh... dies to languish. <laughs> <laughs> languish. The 4-4. Four, four. Next. Was, 
<laughs> he gets equipped by Hero's Blade. That reverses the downside from Languish, okay? That is true. Yeah. Doesn't uh, come in from Collected Company, though. Yeah, that's true. So three colorless white-white flash, uh, legendary human soldier. Whenever a creature deals combat damage to you, if Hyksis Prison Warden enters a battlefield this turn, exile that creature until Hyksis leaves the battlefield. Well, it's a very interesting card. So Chaz, it dies to languish. What do you What do you think? Dies to languish, but it is a okay. I w- without languish, I mean, I was getting pretty excited for this card, mostly because it could just nail. Wait, it's a it could just really blow out your opponent. I still think it's good in those situations where this could come in from the sideboard of like against like a mono red deck where you know they're gonna alpha strike you. And boom, you just they just walk into a flashed Hyksis and just completely blows them out. Because um, they're not going to be playing language, so you don't really have to worry about that. The <laughs> Fiery Impulse doesn't take it down. Um, Roast does take it down, but the Lightning Javelin does not take it down either. <laughs> so I think you're pretty good on uh, having Hyksis stick around for a while. I mean, the downside is, too, you actually have to take the damage before it does anything. Yeah. So uh, that that part's a little painful, but it, it's still a very cool card to, like, flash in, uh, block your opponent's biggest attacker, exile the rest of their team. Also, it seems awesome against tokens, since those aren't coming back, even if Hyksis dies. So it right. could be some sideboard tech for the right matchup. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to put this in against, like, another Abzan deck where they're playing Siege Rhinos, and then you, like... <laughs> Like, three for one yourself. I think you might see some weird, janky things. Like, I'm sure casual players will love this. I'm sure you're going to see lots of Restoration Angels, Blinking Hyksis Warden blowouts. Um, But I think it has potential. I I think, like, if you just get, like, two creatures or three creatures, like, trapped by Hyksis, like, it's such a blowout, right? So I think it has potential. The the one-sided wrath kind of thing... Plus, you get a 4-4 body on it is not... Um, I think people are undervaluating it. I, I think this has potential to to do something, especially as a curve topper in some kind of like aggressive deck. Like, say you're playing White Weenie and you're trading against Mono Red and you guys are just trading back and forth and then you just flash in Hyksis and like that's it. That's the game right there, right? Yeah. So I, I think that he has potential. And he's a human soldier, so if we ever get human soldier tribal going... And he's white. He fits in White Weenie as a curve topper and he's legendary equips hero's blade. So I I think he he has potential. He's not as bad as some of these other intro pack rares. Oh yeah. He has, he has potential. It's a good intro pack rare for all the intro pack rares are really good. And Seth actually really nailed it. That was pretty, that was like a really good uh, telling sign of what the intro packs would be as intro pack rare. He's great. He, he's like really good when he's good but could be bad when he's bad. You know what that, like, if that makes sense? Like, so I I think like those situations where he's really good could crop up enough that, um, it warrants like play in a sideboard or like maybe a one of in a main board or somewhere. All right. So here is another card that I'm not sure of. So dark petition, three black, black sorcery. It's a rare, uh, search your library for a card and put that card into your hand. Then shuffle your library. Uh, spell mastery. If there are two or more instance and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, uh, add black, black, black to your mana pool. 
So if you're able to use the three black mana, it's a demonic tutor on turn five plus. What do you guys think? I don't know. Like the the obligatory like good in EDH, uh, so we could just get that out of the way. Um, <laughs> standard. I mean, do you really want to play this or Sadissi? Like, I think Sadissi. Like, yeah, it does have like a condition that needs to be met, but it's just a lot better than this. Like triple black. I really like, like what does that play? Yeah, it, it's good, but like, what does the triple black play like in standard? Liliana, I guess. Liliana, that's it. Right. Yeah. Tainted Remedy. <laughs> Tainted Remedy. I guess. Not that you would want to play that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think it's, I really like the flavor of this set. I, this is, it's kind of sad, actually. I was really happy that core sets were going away, and then they spoiled, like, all these cards from this set, and I really like this throwback flavor, like the Origins flavor. We have, like, the Time Twister. We have the Fixed Demonic Tutor, Noble Hierarch. There's so many of these cards that are just, I think they're really cool. I like the the vibe from this set. Whoa, 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 that, whoa. You did what? not say fix Noble High Art. <laughs> yeah, you didn't say Noble High Art. Well, hell, hell no. Stop the cast. Set the fire. <laughs> We've lost all legitimacy. Get out of here. Very, very fixed. Uh, I like the Crystal Brand. No, art. it's it's not fixed. It's definitely broken. <laughs> all right, and let's, now let's broken talk about a, let's talk yeah. about this new hierarchy here. Oh my god. Otter's hierarchy. Green, Human Druid, Rare, is a 1-1. So, Renowned 1. As long as uh, Honored Hierarch is Renowned, it has Vigilance and Tap, add 1 mana of any color to your mana pool. This is like the worst card ever made, like ever. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a Rare. (laughs) Yeah, so I was saying Broken, like, a few times. That's not like the overpowered, like, this needs to be toned back. This is Broken as in, this is not a fixed Noble Hierarch. They they broke the card. This is so you're getting a mana by maybe by turn three. Yeah. So like if you're lucky enough to attack yeah. <laughs> with how this thing lives, you now have a a mana dork on turn three. That's a two two. Yeah. And I would just play Sylvan Carriages. <laughs> I would just play Lana more Elves. Like you hey, can many- like the odds of being able to attack are so low, right? Like if you're if they have any one drop, it's gonna get blocked. If you're on the play, it'll get Black Feather two drop. Like it's, it doesn't even do anything, but it's payoff. Hey, it makes Warden seem better. <laughs> <laughs> so there you, you have that going for you, Seth. Seth, do you like this? Is it fixed Noble Hierarchy? Are you jamming it into your collected company deck in Modern? <laughs> well, well, fixed Noble Hierarch doesn't mean that it's good. Like it just means that it's a a safer version of a card that wizards won't reprint today. That's my take on it. Like that, I mean, it's obviously from the name and the abilities. It's a callback to Noble Hierarch. It references it. Um, but no, it's not playable. I mean, you're right. It's it's really bad. I mean, they should have called this like Hierarch Apprentice or like Young Hierarch or Baby Hierarch. <laughs> or why is he honored? He sucks. Unskilled hierarch. <laughs> Reject hierarch. <laughs> Outcast hierarch. Um, play sets are going for 60 to $70 right now. Why? I don't. Oh, that? $60. Yeah. You can, right now on eBay for $62.49, you can buy yeah. four of them. Oh, my God. Wow. Are we missing something? Did I like, misread this card? I, I mean, I'm looking at the text. I, I'm, not, I'm not misreading it. I have no idea. That's almost $20 a card. 
Rough. Yeah, that's crazy. There's no way. There's just no way. Do we lose Dark- all mana dorks? Are like all mana dorks rotating? Is that what's happening? Well, Wizards did say they're not reprinting one mana mana dorks anymore. That they're no. too strong for standard. Yeah. So I mean, it's all because of Siege when I know. Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It's because you ramp into like these like crazy mid range threats too early, too fast. Yeah, like Ojutai by turn four with an Elvish Mystic. Like that's pretty good still. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if I paid twenty dollars for this. That's for sure. Should we move on like, to more depressing cards? Well, if <laughs> if this, well, it's, if it's a new standard for mana dorks, then and this is twenty dollars. What does that say for Rattleclaw Mystic? Because I mean, you're still getting the same value out of Rattleclaw Mystic. I don't know. I think people mis misevaluate cards when they look like older cards. Like yeah. that happens all the time, especially yeah. financially. Like something looks like Time Twister or looks like Noble Hierarch, even if it's way worse. They pay a lot of money for it before they realize that it actually sucks. Right. Like, remember Pain Seer? Like, wasn't that like pre-ordering for like twelve ninety nine, like thirteen bucks or something like that? Yeah, because it looked like Bob, so people exactly. thought, oh, like yeah, it's worse than Bob, but it's not that much worse, so we'll pay right. a lot of money oh, for like, it. Yeah, oh my god, like fifteen dollars is like a steal for a new Bob, and then it's like it's <laughs> yeah, Bob's like seventy. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, like a year later, it's like a nickel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, let's let's keep going. Is there anything else on the list? Uh Clash of Wills, X Blue, instant. Counter targets fell unless his controller pays X. Yeah. So Jerry T said this was a pretty good card. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean it's syncopate, so I guess that's alright. Just doesn't exile. But Scry is is evergreen. Why not condescend? Yeah. I don't know. That would have been a pretty good pre uh, reprint right here. I mean, what does this say for the power really level strong. of the upcoming standard? Like, are are we watering down standard for a bit? Is that what's going on with, even, like, Honored Hierarch and Clash of Wills? I mean, it looks like we're watering it down even more so because um, I thought it was pretty tame. Like, yeah, obviously you have, like, a lot of mid-range decks, but when you look at standard, there was still a lot of diversity in standard. And uh, it was pretty tame, I thought. Remember the days of Cobblade and Delver, where <laughs> no. you basically had, like, legacy no. decks? Uh, <laughs> no, standard. no, 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 no. God, no. No I, more I feel they should do it. I feel there should be cycles that were... Sometimes it's really powerful. Sometimes it's, like, limited. Yeah, but do you really want to do, like, Cobblade versus Cobblade, like, mirror match every single... <laughs> every single match? I don't know. Do you want to Every keep round? running siege rhinos into each other? Do you want to run drag tusks into each other? Like, what's the difference? <laughs> I don't know. There's just something about Cobblade and like Delver that was just like out of control. I'd rather I'd much rather cast like a herd of rhinos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have a blue sweeper light card, displacement wave X blue blue sorcery. Return all non-land permanents with converted mana cost X or less to their owner's hands. I mean... Is this a good card? If you're looking for a card like this, I mean, for now, wouldn't you just play, like, Whelming Wave? I mean, how many Krakens and Leviathans (laughs) and God knows what else is on there are there in Standard where this is just a worse Whelming Wave? Well, you could... 
Two mana, displacement wave for zero. Wipe the board of tokens and flip flockers. Yeah, that's good. But I don't you know if there's any. That, yeah. Aside from Gideon, I don't know <laughs> if you, you need to like. Oh yeah, it's remove not like any feature or right. remove any uh, flip blockers at two mana. But right, whelming wave was just creatures. This is non not land permanent. So I guess yeah, that that, that could be good enough. The, two mana possibility. Flip walker. You might be able to use it to bounce things of your own for value, like in that Cheerios deck from Modern. They're playing like retrace to bounce all their artifacts and play them again uh so if you have a bunch of zero mana artifacts uh, it's kind of can fit into that strategy as another uh way to pick up a bunch of uh your own things now was retrace an instant or a sorcery it's a sorcery right yeah okay so i it could see play in some weird combo deck like that yeah it could next (laughs) (laughs) we're we're very excited okay play Flame Shadowing, Flame Shadow Conjuring, yeah. uh, three in a red enchantment. Whenever a non-token creature enters the battlefield under your control, you may pay red. If you do, put a token on a battlefield that's a copy of that creature. Uh, that token gains haste, exile at the beginning of the next end step. EDH. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> used to expecting the red enchantment that's rare to suck because they... Are these cards ever good? Like, every set has some rare red enchantment, and I don't know if any of them have ever seen competitive play. Well, not only do, like, not only do they have, like, the enchantment, but they also have, like, this specific, like, thing now. Like, uh, along with a Sphinx, we get some red thing that, like, copies a token, or copies a creature and puts a token with these. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think it's that bad. It's a bit slow, but... I don't know. I think you might be able to break it, or it might come in like one of those sideboard cards in mid-range mirrors. I don't know. Hey, it man. is pretty sweet with dash creatures, since you can dash them in, copy for one mana. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Not, I'm not like hugely excited. It seems good for EDH. Like, I don't know, Richard, you could do this, and then like turn five. Wow, well, no, you actually can't even do that turn. <laughs> I was gonna say Storm Breath Dragon, but. Nah, you can't. No, you got a Thunderbreak Regent. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So what happens if if you put, like, Chandra into play and then somehow Flipper? Do, we, like, tokens flip? They don't, right? Nope. No, no backside to nope. tokens. No, no. No, oh, all right. Womble combo gone. <laughs> uh, all right, last card. Tainted Remedy. Two mana and a black enchantment. If an opponent would gain life, that player loses that life, that much life instead. Some fringe sideboard hate against Soul Sisters or something like that? Yeah, I mean, Reign of Gore is basically the same card, for, uh, and it sees a little bit of sideboard play in Modern, and is almost $5. Plus, yeah. I think that's the kind of card you can build some really weird casual combo deck around, like Beacon of Immortality, your opponent, to make them gain life, but they're actually losing it, things like that. Yeah, the lose life, gain life decks out there. <sighs> Grove of the Bird Willows. 4X. <laughs> <Yes. laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, a, that's an awesome combo right I, there. Man. I wonder if you could, like... Do some like weird alternate win condition in like lands or something. <laughs> Just like tainted remedy and grove of the bird willows. 
Well, I mean, like, they're king of the yeah. death. Cards <laughs> like like false cure, like from onslaught, are like obscurely like three or four dollars for no reason. Well, it's not so. no reason. Uh, I think like legit like uh, EDH players will like love this card. Well, no, yeah, that's what we I'm always saying. make a joke whenever it's like some overcosted weird card. Like, yeah, it'll be great EDH, but I think like this is actually like legitimately like a very strong EDH card. Oh yeah, for sure. So I, it's not going to be bulk, definitely not. No, this this is the kind of stuff that yeah, casuals and EDH love. Like like I just said, false cure is like two dollars, and for no reason other than that. So, is so that that's it? all of our. Well, I yeah. mean, there's lots of spoilers, but those, oh, those well, are some yeah. of the highlights. Um, we're we're gonna do this again next week uh, because we'll have another full week of spoilers under our belt. But so what, are, uh, what are your guys' initial thoughts so far? On I think this is about a third of the set. Has been spoiled, I think. Uh, we're at what eighty something. Mm, yeah, 90, it's about a third. Ninety-one, yeah. Initial I thoughts. Think it looks, yeah, go ahead. Seth. I think it looks really cool. I I think it's very flavorful, and I think there are some fairly powerful cards there. Uh, even though they're applications, like it has a lot of cards that have potential to be powerful but don't have any obvious landing spots yet. Starting with the Planeswalkers and going down through most of the rares we talked about, like I could see them being played in standard. I just don't know where it'll be. So I think that's a good place for the game to be at because there's a lot to explore over the next couple months. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to echo that sentiment. I mean, I'm really liking the design. It's kind of sad that this is like the last core set where they really like, you know, went with a, a totally different direction with it and it's like really interesting and fun. Um, you get like these storylines involved and these kind of really obscure but cool cards that could see play because they're, you know, actually pretty good. Um, yeah, so the, it's got a, this set has a lot of things going for it. And I, I'm initial, my initial thought is that looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I really like the flavor and the artwork is, for the most part, phenomenal. I, I don't yeah, know what yeah. they did, but they just hired new artists, or <laughs> I don't know what happened, but the art seems like significantly better than yeah. most sets outside of that Sphinx that looks really creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> tower level, like, I don't know. It's like, it just seems to get weaker and weaker, but uh, I guess we'll see with the rest of the cards. But the, the Planeswalkers are cool. Um, the one thing I dislike are the actual flip cards like now you gotta be like oh are my sleeves opaque and deal with checklists and stuff but oh yeah we're, we're back to the days of game loss or what'd you get game loss or disqualify i don't know what happened when uh, your cards were not uh, i think you okay. got a game loss yeah and then we have this weird drafting where everyone gets to see uh your planeswalker now <laughs> so <laughs> yeah there's some weird mechanical things but for the most part i think they've done a pretty good job and yeah it's. I hope the. It's not just like, it's the last core set, so it's gonna be awesome. I hope this level of quality remains, and they, they just, you know, bring it forward to all the other sets. Yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to play Borderland Ranger again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Gideon. Actually, Liliana. I think Liliana. I have a yeah. thing for Liliana. Liliana is very, very good. So you, you're you're spot on right there. We need uh, Talia. So we need Definitely not Jace. 
Jason, um, so no, Jason's Jason. in the losing color. Blue well, is going to be erased from the magic color pie. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk about Jace when he's actually confirmed. Um, I mean, it's pretty much, I think it's pretty much a lock that that's the card we're going to be talking about, but we just want to make sure and have the card actually be confirmed. But I think we nailed, um, that was a, quite a big list. It was, it was good to talk on all those cards. It was a very good batch of uh, first round spoilers for this set and, I think all three of us agree that it's looking fun, interesting, and could really come out with some standard uh, and some modern uh, application in its cards. Yep, I agree. Yeah. So um, I think that does it for this episode of the the cast. Um, It won't be quite as devoted to the spoilers next week. We'll get into... You know, our our usual routine, price movement, uh, fish mail, stuff like that. Um, The usual breakdown of stuff happening on the cast. But, um, yeah, so this is our, uh, I guess, MTG Origins uh, spoiler cast where, uh, yeah, we talked about a lot of different cards, and it was great to hear everyone's thoughts. So uh, thanks, guys, for another awesome cast. We're going to do the heavyweight title. Uh, fight on uh, Jace for sure because uh, <laughs> I've never seen someone so abhorrent to a uh, to a planeswalker before. <laughs> Calling him out, Tibble. Come on, <laughs> Tibble would suspend five. Okay, Tibble Tibble's gonna defend his crown next week. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm still the worst. <laughs> All right, that about does it for this episode of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. Uh, Tune in next week where Borderland Rangers turn into Planeswalkers. <laughs> Later. All right. See you guys. Okay. So we got a bonus section for you all uh, today on after the cast. So um, it's just me and Seth here. What's up, buddy? What's up, Jeff? Yeah. So I told you all in the cast we were going to have our little uh, heavyweight title bout about these uh, – Planeswalkers, because I know you were, you had some really strong feelings on, on a couple of these. So uh, I, we we wanted to dedicate not an entire podcast. So the best we could do is like a nice bonus segment of just me and Seth being probably a little less professional than we are on the actual cast. So Seth, you're gonna you have an article uh, that's going to be published uh, on these cards, so everyone's going to be able to see all your. Uh, very extensive thoughts on all of these planeswalkers and you really broke it down uh in a really fantastic way so you you kind of gave them all a letter grade and um kind of evaluated them uh in that way do you want to just talk about a little bit of that and then uh we, I can uh, fight you on it <laughs> <laughs> all right well the basic idea was um put the planeswalkers through three different tests now a normal planeswalker what makes a regular Planeswalker powerful, in my opinion, is that Planeswalkers come down with haste with basically an enter-the-battlefield ability, since you can use one of their abilities before your opponent even has a chance to respond, and they're really difficult to kill because normal removal, Doom Blades, and so on don't interact with them like they do creatures. These Planeswalkers, since they come in as creatures and don't have haste, we have to judge them by their own standard, basically. We can't um, compare them to a normal Planeswalker because they just don't function in the same way. Uh, So I put the Planeswalkers through three little tests. 
The first test that I was interested in is how good is the Planeswalker just as a creature? Like if there was no Planeswalker backside, would you want this creature in your deck? So that was test number one. Second test was, I call it the flip test, and that's about how easy is it to actually transform the creature into a Planeswalker. And then finally, the payoff test is basically how good is this Planeswalker? If there was no creature half to the card, would you want this card in your deck just based on its Planeswalker abilities? Right, so going through your <laughs> your grade, so how shitty did Jace do? Well, he got a D-, minus. <laughs> and uh, going up from there, uh, we have Chandra coming in at a D, uh, Liliana B-, minus, Nissa B-, minus, and Gideon A-. minus. So I guess um, I guess you broke, so each individual... Uh, uh, Walker got, you know, a different grade for each individual, I guess, test, as you were talking about, um, that you put them through. And Gideon's kind of up there with, uh, like, flying colors in each category. Yeah, Gideon, I, I think Gideon is actually a legitimately good card. I mean, on the first, on the face of it, you have a creature that's a Savannah Lions, which is a perfectly fine and playable card. Like, Soldier of Pantheon sees play, uh, Mardu Woe Reaper on occasion sees play. Like, a 2-1 for one white mana is a playable card, even with no Planeswalker. Uh, it had a B-plus as well for flipping over, just because it's so easy to flip. Like, yes, you have to be playing an aggro deck, but all you really need to do is play a one-drop into a Raise the Alarm, or one-drop into two more one-drops, and you can flip him almost guaranteed on turn three. And his Planeswalker side isn't great, but it's not bad either. Like, in the decks it'll be in, like aggro white decks or white green decks, uh, yeah. indestructible 4-4 is solid. Yeah, it is. I mean, the way I evaluate these, so it's a little bit different from you, and, and, and like everyone, like I mentioned, everyone's going to be able to read your, your article and, and see the breakdown, and it's really good. But the way I, I mean, I come at it with a, a different take, and the way I kind of evaluated them is, you know, what is the outside chance that these see play in more than one format? And to me, that means, like, that's taking a good card into a great card status. You know, like, it's one thing to have a card, you know, be good in standard. That's one thing. We've certainly seen that, you know, in the history of Magic, where a card is really good in standard, and then you just never see it ever again. You know, like, so to me, that means Liliana and... uh Probably, I guess, Kytheon have the best outside shot of being in, you know, these kind of modern deck lists. And, you know, the others, not so much, especially Jace. I mean, I mean, Jace is awful. Jace is really fucking awful. Yeah, Jace is uh, so bad. Like, it's, it's embarrassingly bad. Like, I really think there's an argument whether he's, like, down near Tabal is the worst Planeswalker, or the worst three, among the worst three Planeswalkers ever printed. Like, he's that bad. Right. And I see, like, you know, I don't know if people are just trying to be, like, a smartass and, and say, like, <laughs> you know, he could be awesome in this certain type of deck or archetype or something like that. And that could be true. Like, I guess he could be good in some sort of, like, weird reanimator-style deck. But, like, I mean, you brought it up. Like, let's just say the, the, the creature works in that type of deck. Like, the Flipwalker is still just not that appealing. Like, a plus one to give a creature 
like minus two minus O is just not that appealing at all. And then I guess you get a flashback type Snapcaster Mage thing, but let's be honest, it's nowhere near Snapcaster Mage. No, it's sorcery speed. Like you can't. What are you going to flash back? Like a burn spell, a draw spell. Like you can't snap in a counter spell or do something at the end of your opponent's turn in a control deck. So I don't think Snapcaster Mage is a legitimate comparison at all. No, not not at all. And you know. You know, Merfolk, Merfolk Looter, you have to realize, like, when Merfolk Looter was actually viable. And it's been some time ago. I mean, you guys laughed at me over the over the podcast because I was talking about Borderland Ranger back in 2009. And that was just a long time ago. I mean, things change in the game. I don't know, like, if a card like Merfolk Looter is even just is viable anymore to play. Like, you're not getting that much value out of it. And at, at like an O2, like he doesn't even block profitably against most of the creatures in standard. Yeah, it just does nothing, and it's legendary. So you can't play four of them. Even if you really wanted a Merfolk Looter, you can't have an opening hand with three of these aces <laughs> in it and expect yeah. to win the game. I'll fucking cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, sure, maybe as like a miser one of in like an X deck list somewhere, but it, it, then think about it. Like, think about what I just said, like, how can you get excited about a one of somewhere in some deck? You know, like you, you really can't. Yeah, and uh, like you said, it just even neither side of the card is good. That's the biggest problem with Jace. Like the front side isn't something you obviously want in a deck, and the back side, even if you go through all the work of flipping it, it's not like it really pays you off very well. You get these really like one mana abilities attached to all that work you put into it. It's just not worth it. Right. I mean, I'm happy you gave Nissa overall a B minus. So, I mean, I was going to get kind of ticked off if you <laughs> gave her anything lower than a B. So, I'm kind of happy about that. I mean, I still think, you know, the order that we came up with on the the cast um is kind of valid uh in terms of like standard. I might have to disagree with you in terms of like Kytheon being the most uh you know, the most viable Planeswalker in terms, I guess, Flipwalker, I'll say, uh, in terms of, like, just modern, because I think Liliana has the best outside shot of, you know, creeping into, like, a Jun deck or a Collected Company deck list, just because she gives you, like, so much value uh, when she flips, you know, and the Walker side is actually really good. I mean, I guess she would fail as a creature <laughs> if, she, if she doesn't get the flip part, because... You know, the flip part is what's really good about her. Getting the 2-2 black zombie that doesn't even come into play tapped, uh, that usual zombies, you know, are known for coming into play tapped. And just a 3-mana 2-3 for lifelink could actually, you know, get there uh, in certain situations. And I will say that she is the easiest one to flip, in my opinion. So that is a right. good, like, vote in her favor. Like, she's not that difficult to turn into a Planeswalker. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, um, I mean, Kytheon is very good. A, a Savannah Lions that can turn himself indestructible probably is good on its own, to be honest, uh, like we talked about on cast. But, um, I mean, I just think, you know, overall in terms of your evaluation, I think, you know, as I come, you know, as I evaluate these, I look at, um, you know, being in standard, like I said was earlier, being in standard, good in standard is one thing. Being good in outside formats is another and I think Liliana really is the only one to me that could make that transition 
And I probably should say, in doing this article in these grades, I was focused exclusively on standard, mostly because I didn't think any of these cards had a very realistic shot of showing up anyplace else. Really? You think so? I, I doubt it. I mean, I think if one has a chance, like you're saying, it's probably Liliana. But isn't she just overshadowed by Liliana of the Veil? Like, well, I mean, think about it. Well, you can't collect a company Liliana of the Veil. And the way, you know, what I was envisioning is, you know, Jun goes and kills one of your creature. You collect a company in response. You nail the Liliana. Liliana comes into play, triggers from the kill card, and you get a 2-2 zombie and a planeswalker. So that, to me, I mean, obviously that's best-case scenario, but, I mean, that's pretty damn strong. And I guess, I mean, the other thing is, too, there actually are good creatures to reanimate with their negative ability. Like, one of the problems with standard is there's nothing at two mana that's that exciting to get back right, from the graveyard. Yeah. But if you're getting back a Goyf or a Scavenging Ooze, that actually is pretty sweet. Like, I hadn't really thought about that. Yeah, and especially all because, like, collecting... I guess, really, collecting company is the only reason I'm actually really interested in Liliana in Modern, because, you know, even as a one-of, I mean, I think she can fit in as a one-of somewhere, you know, in those deck lists. I mean, they're already playing, like, every kind of color you can think of collected company these days. I mean, to not be able to insert one of these and get that playoff, um, and then on your turn, stealing, like, a Goy for Voice of Resurgence or what have you, seems... Pretty damn good. Uh, just not being able like, to kind of cheat in a Planeswalker in a Collected Company deck list. Yeah, and these cards are really hard to evaluate. I think other than, I think Gideon's easy because I think Savannah Lions is good. I think mm-hmm. Jason Chandra easy because they just obviously look bad. <laughs> yeah, and they suck. But so, Nissa and Liliana, yeah. we just haven't seen anything like this before. We've never had creatures that can become planeswalkers, these weird triggers to flip them. Like the thing with, like, Garuk, I guess, was a flipwalker, but his trigger for flipping was very obvious. Like, if you wanted to flip Garuk, you basically could anytime you wanted to. Right, yeah, you, yeah, exactly. When these have, these are, the triggers right. are so weird, and I don't know how easy or hard it's going to be exactly to trigger some of them. Right, and Garuk was always a planeswalker. He never, like, came in as a creature and had to, like, fulfill some stipulation to flip. Like, the, the, the stipulation was right on the card as a, you know, ability. You know, this is a little different because, you know, they're coming in as a creature. You have this weird uh, priority uh, where they can kill the creature in response of flipping it. So, you know, it's a little more tricky, but I still think they're very, you know, powerful cards overall. I mean, except for really Jace and Chandra. I mean, I still think those are really awful. But, I mean, as a first crack, I mean, overall, this was a really interesting idea. I mean, but obviously, you're not going to be able to execute them well on every single walker. So, I guess that's why we have Jace and Chandra. And the flavor (laughs) is awesome. Like, the flavor is super cool. It fits with the set. Like, I love that they did it. I just wish they had executed better on a couple of the cards in specific. Yeah, so overall, I think, um, you know, again, everyone, you're going to be able to read Seth's article. It's really, really good. Uh, I read it uh, prior to us doing this cast. So um, just to a recap overall, we got Gideon at A-, Nissa at B-, Liliana B-, Chandra D. Jace, I, I probably would have gave him a flat at flat out F I was for fucking failure. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think in terms of, um, you know, my evaluation, I think Liliana could probably be better than Gideon just because of the off chance that she gets 
insert in some collected company modern deck list. And and I will give you that. Like if she ends up popping up even as a one of in modern, I think she would jump to the top of the list just from that. Yeah. Alone. I mean, I can't be biased and put you know Nissa up there, even <laughs> though I love my my Borderland Ranger. But I'm really interested in seeing her in standard. I really think she's very very good, and her her Walker is probably the second most powerful in terms of just Liliana and then her. Because, I mean, she's basically just a better version of Sarkhan. Yeah, that's that's what I figured. She's basically an up, strict upgrade on Sarkhan, and drawing a card every turn is crazy. I think her Planeswalker side is more powerful than Liliana personally. Yeah, you're, you think so, right? Yeah. But, so I don't know. I guess we'll see. It's just a matter of how easy it will be to turn her into a Planeswalker. Like, our game's going long enough in standard to get to seven lands and flip over your Nissa. If that, if games are going that long, she's going to win you the game. If we're in a pretty fast format and that's unlikely, then she's not that great. Yeah, absolutely right, dude. I, I totally agree. All right. Well, dude, it was good. This was great. I, I think it was awesome that we did this for the listeners. Get a little bonus. I'm glad I got you fired up on your <laughs> on your planeswalkers and and your article was really awesome, dude. So well, thanks, uh, we talked man. about these all on cast too. So um, I just wanted to take the time and just kind of evaluate them a little more. <laughs> uh, so uh, thanks everyone for for joining in, Seth. Thanks for your time, dude. No problem, man. It was fun. Yeah. All right, everyone. Um, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the uh, extra bonus feature of. Uh, us tearing apart Jace. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week.